Google doesn't really trust what you put on a website. I could put keywords all over any website. It's not going to really move the needle without you building trust up. And the way to build trust is by getting other websites to talk about you. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, we get to speak with Brandon Leibowitz, and he runs and operates SEO optimizers and has since 2007. They are a digital marketing company that focuses on helping small and medium-sized businesses get more online traffic, which in turn converts into more clients, sales, and leads. And we are going to talk all about SEO and Google ads and YouTube and all the fun things that you need to know about and some of the trends that are happening now and maybe some things of what not to do that we used to think we should do. (laughs) So stay tuned for that. But first, it's time for our marketing essentials moment, the basics that you need to continue to help you build your brand and your bottom line. In this week's topic, I really wanted to dig in and talk more about LinkedIn marketing. And it is definitely something that is getting used more and more. We're getting inundated with a lot of messages and a lot of automations and things like that. But there is definitely something to be said about LinkedIn. We know that LinkedIn is getting used more and more, widely used by a lot of different areas and places and people and things. You can now, you only have to be 13 in order to get a LinkedIn profile. Uh, There's a lot more people using LinkedIn, not just for job recruiting, but also to get new work. And a couple of things that I do that I thought maybe I could share with you that could help you in some way. So one thing that I have done is I've actually signed up to see who is hiring around our area for, let's say, marketing director positions or people that are in leadership positions. And reason is I'm not necessarily job searching, but I want to know who's hiring, who's in pain right now, Who needs some help along the way because they're trying to get more people to staff up internally that maybe they could utilize a team like ours to help them offset the pain that they're going through and outsource some of their marketing service needs because they may not have somebody internally to do them or they're growing so quickly that they need to hire more people. A couple things it's done for me. One, I've actually hired and helped a company find somebody to help them internally. And then it also gave us a relationship to be able to work with them when they didn't necessarily have the time or talent to do the things that they would otherwise been doing internally that they can outsource to us as an outsourced agency that they can work with. So that's one thing that you can do on LinkedIn that might not necessarily be the most traditional thing to think about when you are generating leads on LinkedIn. Another thing that it's done for me when I look to see who's hiring, I also understand who's growing and who has maybe the necessary means to be able to hire again. And sometimes we can have a conversation about what it is that they need to hire, who they need to hire and why. And maybe there's some things that we can help fill the gaps because sometimes when you hire somebody, they have a certain amount of skill sets that they're capable of. But sometimes when you hire an outsourced team, there are now suddenly 10 different capabilities of doing things that 
all of us are capable of doing together as a team. So sometimes it helps the company realize and recognize either I could pay for one person and have their skill sets, or I could pay for our outsourced marketing agency and have all the different skill sets that they all have within that agency. So sometimes it works out that way. Sometimes it is that they truly do need somebody internally, but they want to augment their team. And we do that for them. We help augment their team to fill in the gaps of what they may not have the time or talent to do. So those are some interesting different ways to look at how you can use LinkedIn. Another thing that you can do thinking about how you can use LinkedIn to your advantage, if you pay for the premium upgrade, you can actually send in-mail to people that you're not already connected to if they're open to receiving in-mail. So I am very selective of who I want to send those in-mail messages to because you only get a certain amount of credits to be able to send once a month. And then you have to wait for it to renew before you can send out messages again. So in-mail is super helpful and there's a lot of different theories and ways to go about doing it. But one thing that I have done is reached out to people to ask them if they would like to be on this podcast <laughs> because it's unobtrusive. I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm just wanting to make a relationship connection, share and understand what kind of value they can bring to you as our audience. And if it turns into a relationship, that's awesome. And if they eventually want to use our services, awesome. But it's not necessarily there to just sell, sell, sell. It's more about developing that relationship making a connection, giving them the honor of being asked to be on a podcast as a guest. Because tell, I'm telling you now, people love to be asked to be a guest on a podcast. It's very flattering. It's very valuable. It's very unobtrusive. And it's a great way to make connections with people that you otherwise may not be able to always get to meet because they have gatekeepers or they have, you know, a busy schedule. But I always ask people that I think I want to meet and have relationships with or that I feel like we can give them value or vice versa. They can give us value and give you our audience value. So it is definitely a way to build those relationships on an ongoing basis. And then the nice thing about it is once they've been a podcast guest, they then can opt into our email newsletter list and they can come back to us at some point in time if they like to use our services or if they have a recommendation of another guest that we should absolutely have on the show. I have wonderful guests on this show because of other podcast guests who've recommended those guests to us. So it's a reciprocal thing that always continues to work and I'll have more LinkedIn tips as we continue on. And I'm actually going to be talking quite a bit about LinkedIn on our Marketing Expedition webinar. Every second Thursday, we have different topics and we go on a journey as a webinar. Every second Thursday, we do them from noon uh, Mountain Standard Time to one o'clock. So I always say, grab your lunch and a laptop and join me live every second Thursday for our webinars that we do. And this next one, I'm going to be talking about LinkedIn. And maybe if you are listening to this after the fact, you can go to themarketingexpedition.com and you can listen to all the webinar replays. And this will be as a replay in the community. You can also use promo code MONTH1, M-O-N-T-H-1, as the first month 
free on me if you sign up for the marketingexpedition.com community or TMEC, we like to call it for short, the Marketing Expedition Community, TMEC for short, and you can become a member of the Marketing Expedition community. And you get all kinds of good nuggets and information and exclusive details uh, as a member. So go to themarketingexpedition.com and sign up. Use month one to get your first month for free. If you like it, you can continue to join us and be a part of our community. And then, of course, you get to listen to all these podcasts and be a part of the Facebook group and all the things. So Hopefully this is useful to you in some way or another. And if you have other LinkedIn tips that you want me to share with others that you think could be of value, let me know. Reach out to me. You can reach out to hello at themarketingexpedition.com as an email. Hello at themarketingexpedition.com. Let me know that you heard this and you have some tips to give or maybe you have some questions or things that you would love for me to explore and share in our Marketing Essentials moments. So... With that said, let's get on to the interview with Brandon. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media, as well as the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today we're going to go on a marketing journey with Brandon. Brandon, you're going to have to say your last name for me because I... Uh, always mess things up. So I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself with your last name. <laughs> no worries. My name is Brandon Leibowitz and I really help people get more traffic to their website using search engine optimization, do a little bit of paid ads, but really try to focus on getting people free traffic so they rank higher on Google and just could see more sales and leads coming into their website. Excellent. And Brandon, what got you on this path of being able to help businesses and brands with their SEO. Give us kind of a, a overview of what got you here and what, you know, where you came from and what you're up to now. I um, just really fell into this SEO, digital marketing kind of thing. I didn't really plan on it. I got my degree in business marketing. And after I graduated from school, the first job I got out of college was helping a company out with their, with their digital, which I didn't really know much about it. They said, don't worry. We don't know much either. We're going to like take you to classes and workshops and seminars and learn alongside with you, which I thought was kind of interesting. And this is back in 2007. After working there for a few months, just kind of realized that everyone's probably going to have a website and there's a lot of different ways to get traffic, like SEO, doing paid ads, email marketing, social media. It all works to get traffic, but SEO is just a way to get free traffic. And I thought, why spend money on paid ads if you could get up there for free? So over the years, I worked at different advertising agencies as a director of SEO and also realized that I could work on my own company and do some freelance work where I could pick up clients as long as they're not, there's no conflict of interest with my current job, then I could pick up some freelance clients here and there and did that where I'd work before work and after work and on my lunch breaks and <laughs> built that up to where I was able to eventually quit my job and focus solely on this and been doing that ever since. I love that. We did the same thing. My husband and I started same thing and we had both had day jobs and we were working and finally it just got to be too much to work to two o'clock in the morning doing our side hustle. Right. And same thing, like it just builds up, builds momentum. And then finally you get to say, okay, I quit. <laughs> it's a good feeling, but also scary at the same time. Right. For us, it was 20 years ago, but it's definitely a feeling of uh, mixed emotions all at once. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, it's definitely not easy, but it is yeah. worth it in the long run. But it is tough to make that leap of faith. But once you do it, it's tough to ever go back to, I think, working a nine to five because you get the freedom yeah. and flexibility, even though you work a lot more. But the perks that come along with knowing that it's going towards what you're building up and you set those mm-hmm. in hours, and especially with digital, you can work remotely. So as long as there's an internet connection, mm-hmm. you could kind of work anywhere in the world, which is also pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go through kind of maybe some uh, case studies or some some uh, examples of some really awesome clients that you've helped along the way. What are some of the tactics you took and, you know, how were you able to get them optimized? And uh, I mean, I know that's kind of a loaded question because there's so many different things. But if you uh, had to kind of narrow down on a client that you are super proud of, that you, you know, walk them through the process, what was that like? Yeah, that there's been a lot over the years since 2007, but I would say, I mean, we even talk about like one of the first jobs I was helping out an e-commerce website. They sold promotional products online and for like 3D lenticular kind of things, which makes it a little bit more niche and easier versus someone just selling promotional products. Got a lot of competition. And with SEO, the more competitive it is, the more time it's going to take. So since they had something really unique about them, it made it a lot easier where I would go in, clean up all the coding, put all the keywords in the correct places. It's a little technical, but just making sure that they have the right keywords in the right places. First off, doing keyword research and figure out, do people even search for lenticular, which is like another word for like 3D kind of products, which there was some search volume. So incorporating those and trying to target those keywords got them to pretty much rank pretty quickly versus I was just targeting promotional products, promotional t-shirts, very broad, very generic, it just hyper-competitive. So bringing it down to more niche-specific keywords, targeting those, optimizing those pages with the right keywords in the right places, but also building what are called backlinks, getting other websites to talk about you because Google doesn't really trust what you put on a website. I could put keywords all over any website. It's not going to really move the needle without you building trust up. And the way to build trust is by getting other websites to talk about you. About you. The more websites that talk about you, the more trustworthy Google sees you as, and then they look at those keywords on your website. So went in and built backlinks by finding other, well, they did a lot of trade shows. So going to these trade shows that they worked and since they sponsored a lot of these trade shows, most of the trade shows would give them a backlink on their website, but not all of them did. So we'd find these trade shows that they sponsored, reach out to them, see if we could get backlinks. We would look at their competitors, see how they're getting backlinks, getting tools, you have to pay for them, but those work really well, such as like Ahrefs or Moz are kind of some of the more popular ones, but really it comes down to building trust up. Once Google trusts you, then they're going to look at those keywords and they got to the really to the top of page one pretty quickly. Usually it takes months, sometimes it could take almost a year or two, depending on how good those keywords are, but they got up there then probably like, I'd say three months and really stayed at the top and still to this day are up there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I have a question about that because like you said, most people would think 3D, but they may not think about the other types of words that you could use to describe the 3D promotional products, right? So by niching down, using words that people might use, but what about spelling? Because that seems like it could be a tough word to spell. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, (laughs) that one, definitely not the easiest to spell lenticular, but Nowadays with Google search, they know that, well, misspellings in the past, 
they would just show you what you searched. So if you misspelled it, they would show you results for that misspelling and they give you a link saying, by the way, did you mean to spell it this way? But they've kind of reversed that where if you misspell it, they're going to show you the results that they think that you were searching for, even though it might not be what you were looking for, because they just realized so many people misspell that word that let's just show you the misspelling versus showing you the way you spelled it, which is incorrect and it's not going to give you the right results. So Google kind of fixes that. But in the past, yeah, people would do incorrect or misspelling kind of keywords, targeting those. But nowadays, you don't want to have misspellings. That's good to and know. You don't want That's to have, good to know. <laughs> Yeah, and also you don't want to have misspellings on your website because to rank for those misspellings, you have to misspell that keyword. So that means you have to have those misspellings on your website. Maybe you have a page about on your website. Maybe it's like a section saying like misspelled or like some like commonly common errors where you have a list of all the misspellings that people mm. would put in there incorrectly. But right. that might be one safe fish way to do it. But I would still maybe not even go that route anymore because Google's up there. Like doing frequently asked questions, like how words are commonly misspelled or how, you know, our words are misspelled or what they mean or giving a definition or like phonetically spelling it. Right. And and like on purpose doing, you know, kind of a definition with a phonetic spelling as though you're, you know, trying to help. But also maybe that's how people would spell it because it's, you know, <laughs> the English language is sometimes hard to, to come up with the right words or how you're supposed to spell something so that but I do I, I think you're right now Google sort of kind of helps you along the ways did you mean to say this or did you mean to you know search for this so that's that's helpful <laughs> oh yeah it's, it helps out nowadays but now you don't even need to really know how to spell because you can just put a couple words that are close enough or letters close enough and Google will pull it for you and give you that suggestion and they are pretty spot on most of the time mm-hmm or you can use dictation or, you know, ask Siri or ask, you know, if you have Google Home or anything like that and just voice it, right? You can you can use um, your voice to search for things more now. And actually, that kind of brings up a point. Search engine optimization is one thing, but now there's this whole voice search optimization. Are you seeing people doing things differently because of voice search and smart devices being able to hear what you're saying? Well, that comes, I guess, back to the FAQ section. So in the past, people would just type in like words into Google. Like if they were looking for those 3D products, they would just type into Google 3D promotional products. But with your cell phone, you'd say, where can I buy 3D promotional products? What are the best 3D promotional products? So it's adding, it's really like sentences, Google understanding the human language, which if you have those sentences with those questions on your website and you answer them, Google will pull you for those voice searches potentially or the featured snippets that show up at the top of Google or even the FAQ or people also search for a section where they have those questions, the drop down accordion that will list out an answer. So if you write and optimize now instead of keywords, but sentences, which is a little trickier. Right, like phrases, yeah. Mm -hmm, but it's like, how do you hit on every phrase, every sentence? Because there's so many ways to search for things that the way that people speak, it's going to be different. One person might say, where are, like, if you're looking for a restaurant, say like, what are the best restaurants near me? Or what are the most popular restaurants or where are the most popular restaurants? So it's hitting like what, where, and all these different variations. So it's tricky, but then you got to do the keyword research. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They can say find a popular restaurant near me or search for, or, you know, where are, yeah. Like all the different ways you're right. Like if, if you can have those different, 
phrases in your frequently asked questions. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, is there is there more to do for those smart devices and smart connected TVs and things like that? I mean, has it evolved how we do search engine optimization now with websites? And I mean, what kind of things could you recommend that would be helpful? I mean, yes, the frequently asked questions and the phrases, but is there any kind of, you know, tags or I don't know, you tell me what, what kind of things can we think about, about utilizing all these new, you know, smart devices and things? I mean, the main thing is just make sure you have that phrase, whatever that question is that someone's asking. If you don't have that on your website, they're not going to pull it. So that's where you got to do the keyword research to figure out which ones you want to add to your website because you don't want to add everything, but you want to add the more popular ones to your website because really it comes down to if that question's there and then you answer it in a couple sentences, you don't have to make it really long, but make sure that answer starts off with that question. So if someone's saying like, what are the best restaurant best restaurants near me? Your answer should say the best restaurants near you are. So it has a, pretty much that phrase at the in the question in the answer. That's going to really increase the chances. You can add schema.org. It's like a little coding language to enhance listings, but I don't think that really impacts voice search. Really, voice is really just comes down to reading text. It all comes down to text. Search engines feed off text they can't really read images or videos or audio yet they're getting better but text really needs to be there so if you have that text on your page and answer it that's going to get you the most likeliness of showing up for those voice searches let's talk a little more about schema i keep hearing more and more that word keeps coming up more and more let's let's share a little bit more on you know kind of maybe some best practices of what schema is and how to use it and you know maybe some things not to do that you've maybe discovered along the way too. Schema is a programming language that search engines, Bing, Yahoo, Google created like 10 plus years ago. It's just a way to enhance your listings. So if you're searching for, let's say a recipe, sometimes you'll see in the search results, it'll like show that recipe step-by-step how to do it. So you don't have to go to that website or if you're watching a sporting event and you say like, what's the score? It'll give you the score right there in the search results. It's all pulled from schema. So it's a way to just mark up your content. And you could go to schema.org and you could see what you could mark up because every website's going to be different. And you could see what's possible, what's not possible. There's tools that will create this code for you and then validate it. There's a Google schema validator tool that will validate to make sure it's accurate. But I will look at your competitors and see what schema they're using because Really, there is no like guidelines. I mean, it's kind of broad what you could do. There's not much documentation on it. So I would look at your competitors into their Google co- or into their website coding by right-clicking on a website, you can view page source, and you can look at all their code and like do a control find for a schema and see their schema. And you can see like what type of schema they're incorporating. Is it for like a person, an author, a recipe, like whatever it may be, you could kind of see, but and then I would copy it. And look at all your competitors and see which ones have a lot of overlap and try to copy which ones seem to be the most popular because there's a lot of variations. Like if you're a doctor, you could put like business professional, you could do doctor, you could niche it down to what type of doctor you are. And each one's going to be a little bit different to what it does and what features and what functionality you could add to it. So I would look at your competition and really kind of base it off them, search on Google, see who ranks on that first page of Google for your keywords, open up all their websites and look at their coding. Well, and we say, 
uh, we we would case that. Copy and steal everything, but then at the, add the D at the end, so cased. It's been cased. Copy and steal everything, but diversify or differentiate it. So it's not exactly the same, right? <laughs> We're scheming about using schema. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got to get that scheme going for the schema. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, definitely. You don't want to copy verbatim because then you're going to be putting their keywords in there, their website, but the structure and the, the coding, I pretty much copy verbatim because if you add an extra space or like a slash, I could break that coding. So the coding, but then you got to replace where it says like the doctor's name or your name, put your name, your website, you put your website URL in there, your phone number, your email address, your all that stuff. But, but yeah, I would look at what everyone's doing and just try to get ideas because it is... Yeah, there's not really one size fits all. There's a lot of generators. You can just go into Google and search for schema generator. And you're going to see there's all these generators that will give you different variations. Like if you say, I'm a restaurant, they're going to give you different schema depending on what the generator thinks is the best. That's why it's not really one size fits all. I would really just search on Google and whoever is ranking up there, they're probably getting some credit for doing something right. And usually it's backlinks that they're ranking them there for. But schema might be a feature that if you could incorporate that into the, your website if you don't have schema and you add it that might boost you up a little bit and give you that edge that differentiates yourself because not a lot of websites are putting schema on their website and a way to really differentiate yourself and give you a little bit more of a competitive advantage it's going to help out with seo yeah the key word that you said is research right researching and planning and if you plan out the work then you got to work the plan and if it didn't go out according to plan, then you make a new plan <laughs> and make that work. Very cool. Uh, so so the other thing that you kind of mentioned a little bit more, I mean, just the way things used to be versus the way they're going now, what are some other things that you've seen kind of trend or change or that you're seeing that's not quite how we used to do things that everybody believes that this is how it's supposed to be done because this is the way we've always done it. But now there's some, maybe some new rules to follow or new ideas that uh, are coming about in search engine optimization that, uh, you know, once we thought this is the way it is, but not anymore, what are, what are maybe some things that come to mind that are changing that, you know, just cause you did it this way doesn't mean it's going to be the right way forever. I mean, Google's changing all the time. That makes it interesting. So it's constantly evolving with digital. There is no, yeah, what works today doesn't necessarily work tomorrow. So like in the past, Google said they don't want content written by AI. But a few months ago, they said we don't care who writes the content as long as it offers value, which is a big change. So that is definitely something that's really big. But I wouldn't just copy verbatim from AI because it's probably not going to offer value. It's not accurate. So that's why Google's saying as long as you offer value, that's what matters. So if you have AI to help maybe create an outline and then you write the article yourself, that's going to be much better than just saying, hey, write me a blog post and copying it because try not to offer the most value. If it doesn't offer value and it's incorrect, it's going to be a bad user experience where someone goes to your website, they read this con, they read the content, and they probably have that back button saying, this is not what I was looking for. Google sees that as a bad user experience and it's probably going to drop you down. So making sure everything reads properly. Well, and not only that, it's probably the same thing that if other people had similar prompts and they said, you know, write me a blog post about SEO, then a lot of similar things are going to be in the same, you know, blog post if multiple people ask the same question and then they, you know, just copy and paste the same thing. I mean, then it's kind of like, 
there's no value there because it's just generic and it's not going to give you stories or any insights or experiences or anything like that. It's just going to give you kind of the, the, the straight generalized facts that come from what artificial intelligence will tell you. And you're right. I mean, you want to modify it and make it your own and, and, tell a story somehow or, you know, add in your own, you know, interjection there, because I, I, I think that's, that's true. Artificial intelligence still, uh, you know, AI still needs HI, human intelligence, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. It needs that personal touch to keep it personal and just keep it. Yeah. Otherwise it's going to be too robotic and it's going to copy the same kind of sudden structure layouts where it's kind of easy to see through it nowadays, maybe in like five years. It's going to be a whole other story where it might be too good to differentiate, but right now still needs that personalization of that human touch to make sure it reads properly, it's accurate, and it's not just giving out misinformation. Right. And tonality and how you want it to come across, whether it's pithy or formal or, you know, informal. I mean, lots of different ways to go about it for sure. I'm sure I don't need to throw a bunch of statistics and percentages at you for you to know that most of us spend too much time staring at screens. Being able to consume your content on the go means that your clients and customers can listen and learn from you without being tied to their desks. With Hello Audio, your customers can put their phones down, power off their PCs, close their MacBooks, and get the information they need from you while they're, let's say, walking a dog, doing a jigsaw puzzle, washing the dishes, maybe when they're in the car or exercising on the treadmill, sunbathing in their garden. Well, Hello Audio makes it incredibly easy for you. No more hours spent trying to figure out tech settings or trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole. You can click publish on an audio feed in a matter of minutes and have control over who accesses what. So visit peppershock.com offers and sign up for a free trial of Hello Audio. So have you seen a lot of people, a lot of your clients interested in, in utilizing AI as, as, you know, as we continue on and discover new tools that they're coming out with every day? I mean, I think I just saw a list of 75 new tools that just came out last month and I'm just like blown away and there's no way I can research all of them. But have there been any tools that uh, you've been using with your clients at all or any inquiries there? Well, yeah, they're all inquiring as ways to save money because they don't want to write blogs themselves or write articles or emails or social media posts or any of that stuff. So they're looking at that to automate their social and email campaigns and writing blog posts and kind of doing like all the writing, which I mean, it's okay if you have it as like a guide, as like a tool to help you out. But if you're just relying on it solely, that's not going to be the best strategy. So I tell them that like, hey, if you want to use it, take it with a grain of salt and probably gonna have to go in and fix a lot of things, but I would just use it as like a reference and not just rely solely on it. Mm-hmm. I was just messing around. I also teach a marketing operations class at Boise State and I just wanted to see what it would do. And so I asked it to create a syllabus based on a marketing agency operations course and, you know, it obviously spit out some generic things, but I mean, it formatted, like it had syllabus, you know, it had a grading system. It had like all these things. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I just was like kind of playing around with it just to see, you know, hey, maybe there's some ideas here. Uh, and 
also then thinking about, okay, I need to put in, in my syllabus, the use of AI tools and, <laughs> you know, have some guidelines around it for, for them to, to do. So I actually used AI to give me some educational AI guidelines <laughs> just to see what it would spit out. You know, I thought, okay, this is going to be fun for my students to hear that I did these guidelines based on using AI. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if my if my peers will like that much, but I just wanted to see what it did, you know? <laughs> yep. It's interesting to play around with and test because it is not that bad. Like formatting, I'll make like tables and charts. It does a lot more than just writing articles. It'll even like code schema. So with schema, if you're like, hey, well, you got, you got to know what type of schema you want, but you can say, hey, I this is my website. Here's my information. Can you create schema for a restaurant? or for a business or an organization. And 50% of the time, it's gonna be wrong, but 50% of the time, it'll be right. And the time that it's right, it's gonna save you a lot of time. So again, I would double check everything. There's tools like a Google schema validator. You can put that code, copy and paste it in there and double check to see, are there any errors? And if there's any errors, go back to, to ChatGPT or whatever you're on and tell them, hey, can you regenerate this schema code? copy and paste it over in the validator. And if it validates, then you can throw it on your website and it's going to take care of coding that for you, which is really nice. But you just got to figure out what schema you want to add to the website. That's where you still might want to look at your competitors and see, oh, they're using restaurant or they're doing a local business or they're doing an organization or a person or an author or there's so many different ones out there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of words hard to spell, I we worked with a restaurant client and a lot of people misspell restaurant. I mean, more than you would imagine. I was like shocked at how many people misspell the word restaurant, <laughs> bringing it full circle. So, okay, we talked about some things that, you know, what used to be and what's different now and AI and all the things. What other what other kind of tools are you using? You, you mentioned Moz and uh, Aref or uh, uh I forgot what it's called. Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S. <laughs> but what are some other handy tools that you think that our audience might uh, want to investigate or explore, or maybe some AI tools that uh, are out there that you're like, oh yeah, people should know about this. There are a lot of tools, a lot of paid tools, but one free one that you do use for keyword research that I use for keyword research and everyone should use is the Google Keyword Planner. It's a free tool from Google and it'll show you how many people search for that keyword every single month. So if you're a restaurant and you're serving Italian food, you could go into the Google Keyword Planner, put in Italian food, Italian restaurant, Italian restaurants, restaurants serving Italian food and have a big list of keywords. It'll show you how many people actually search for that keyword every single month. So you can figure out which variation do I want to use because restaurant versus restaurants, it's going to have a big difference where Italian restaurant, might, yeah, Italian restaurant might have a thousand people searching for it every single month. Italian restaurants might get ten thousand searches every single month. So little changes with the plurals, singulars, synonyms, variations like that have a big impact on search volume. And I always recommend starting off with that as a starting point. And it's a free tool. It's from Google. Everything really for SEO is geared towards Google. So if Google's going to give you that search volume the data, then I would definitely utilize it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So I know you said you do some uh, ad paid ads too. One of the things I noticed when I searched for my own company, just because I wanted to see what was coming up, my competitors 
had ads, paid ads that popped up above my listing. Do you think that that's like, I don't know, ethical? (laughs) I mean, if you ask Google, they're like, hey, if they're paying us. Yeah, I mean, Google's happy to take your money. That's right. I just wondered about that. I was like, oh, they're they're scheming. They're sneaky. I mean, it works, but it doesn't work the best because it's like if you're searching for Target and an ad for Walmart pops up, you're like, all right, similar. But most of the time, like I wasn't looking for Walmart. I'm looking for Target. So, you're gonna, I mean, you're going to lose some visitors, unfortunately, but the majority of them are going to be like, no. I was looking for you. I wasn't looking for this other company. And those ads are very expensive too. So those ads, and unfortunately, like if you start running them, you're going to start like a bidding war with your competitors and it's probably never going to end. So I would stay away from those ads. They're not the best. Stay away from it. Yeah. I was like, if people are searching for Pepper Jack on purpose, they're not necessarily going to, I don't know, go to our competitors. But I was like, oh. They're, you know, I guess maybe I should take it as a, as a compliment. I don't know. But I was like, that's sneaky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. It's unfortunate sometimes. If you have that money and I would run a brand campaign maybe and test that out to see if that helps out where for you, it'll be very cheap. Like if you're bidding on your brand name, your company name, those ads are very cheap. But if you're bidding on a competitors, those ads are very, very expensive. So I would play around, maybe test it out and see how much it costs, how much you... So what you're saying is every time I see it, I should click on it because it costs some money. <laughs> I'm kidding. You can do that too, definitely. <laughs> you want them to pay for it. <laughs> oh, no, no, I wouldn't do that. But um, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, because yeah, looking at what the competitors are doing, I mean, it's it's helpful to see what, what their, you know, what their websites are looking like, what words they're using, phrases they're using, how they're getting ranked and... Yeah, I mean, it's just helpful so that way you can apply some of that knowledge to your own and do it better, right? I mean, that's the idea is do what they do, but do it better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Do it a little bit better. See what they're doing, incorporate what's working into your own business and cut away what's not working and just do a little bit better job of it. Yeah. Okay, maybe one more case study or example before we wrap up here of something you're super proud of that you were able to do, maybe a highly competitive industry that you were able to bring your client to the top. But maybe what are some of the tactics that you did or how did you, you know, get them from, you know, listed way, you know, through in, in the depths of Google pages, you know, down the line to where they rose to the top? Tell me, tell me uh, how you made that happen, because I'm sure you did, Brandon. Yeah, uh, another one I worked on was a real estate agent. So they wanted to rank for realtor or real estate agent in whatever city that they were targeting. But the biggest thing is let's target a specific city. So, so they'd be like, hey, let's target a giant, really broad area. Let's focus on a more niche area. So finding smaller towns. Because, yeah, if you're just targeting those broad, big ones, it's doable, but it's also going to take a lot of time. So they were a real estate agent, a realtor in Austin. We're like, all right, instead of, I mean, we target Austin, but we could also target communities in our Austin. So finding like, or like condominiums and like townhome areas that have names, gated communities and creating content around that. So creating pages on the website, targeting those specific communities. Then if someone's searching to live in that community, that page that they have on their website is going to rank because it's really re- relevant and really targeted. And by doing that, they were able to tap 
and relocation, right? Next to real estate and realtors, then the next word I heard was relocation. Everybody wants to rank for relocation or relo, you know, to, to relocate somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially Austin seems to be a pretty big spot popular nowadays, but yeah, relocation or for sale or homes for sale or sell my home. If someone's trying to sell their home or condo or townhouse, townhouse or townhome. So trying to hit on all those variations and try to just really build out really complete pages about each one of those areas is different sections of cities. And like, it's like Los Angeles living in Los Angeles. There's a lot of cities in the LA, like ranking for LA real Los Angeles realtor, not really the most feasible, but finding those different cities, that's going to be a lot more feasible. But then from the cities, you could break it down into the communities and just kind of break it down as much as possible and get really granular. And the more granular, the less people searching for those keywords, but the people searching for it are very targeted that they know this is a community that they want to live in or sell a home or buy whatever it is that they're doing, but they're, they're ready to make that purchase versus someone just searching a really generic keyword like Los Angeles realtor. What's the intent behind it? Are you trying to buy a home, sell a home, condominium, town? Like, what are you trying to do? There's not much intent behind it, but someone searching for like gated community in Los Angeles for condominiums, it's much more targeted. Less people are searching for that, but people searching, they know they want a townhome in Los Angeles in a gay community. So it's a little bit more niche and specific. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes a lot of sense for sure. And finding what's unique about those communities too, that people want to search for that would make them stand out. Yeah. There's a lot of work that goes into all of that. Right. I mean, and it's not, you're not just keyword stuffing where you're trying to put as many keywords on one page as possible. Right. It's, there's a strategy behind it. Right. I mean, you got to have multiple pages with keywords and, and, and I mean, what do you think is maybe something that people do that they think they're, Oh, I got to put all the keywords in this page, but that's kind of hurtful. Right. Yep. So you got to really just think about offering value and on those pages, you should maybe put like information well, don't just copy the same thing over and over again. Like if you have 20 communities or cities that you're targeting, a lot of people just want to copy the same thing over and over again, but you got to really make it personalized. So each community, you could talk about like the schools districts out there for parents, or you could talk about like the crime rate, or you could talk about, I don't know, information that like just general information, like town hall, city hall, post office. So it's offering value instead of just being like, here's homes for sale or here's whatever it is. Here's something else that's going to offer value and make it unique and more personalized and not just the same kind of cookie cutter content that everyone else is putting in there. Just differentiate yourself somehow and don't just stuff keywords like you're saying. Just don't throw extra keywords in there to throw them in there. Like you can make it even granular and like have a section about a specific city. So you can say, here's Santa Monica, California. Here's a page all about it. And here's a page, and in that page, you have clickable links that go into other sections. Like here's all the townhomes in Santa Monica. Here's all the single family homes in Santa Monica. But having pages specifically about those ones, and then on the single family home page, you could have all these different like areas in Santa Monica, like different neighborhoods, and communities, and have clickable links that go to each one of those. So instead of trying to stuff everything on one page, you make it like a hierarchy where here's like the main page. Subpage, sub sub pages, sub 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 pages that keep breaking down as much as possible. Because then each of those sub pages will have their own header and and you know H one title and and other places to put keywords that will be optimized for each of those areas. That makes sense for sure. Then you could go in and optimize like the title tag or the meta description or the header tags or 
making sure your schema there, making sure all your images have alt tags, making sure your pages link together, and then making sure you have blogs that support those pages. So having those pages about services that you offer is great, but each of those services should essentially have some blog post about it that link to that blog post. So Google looks at how you interlink your pages together. And that's kind of some of the more higher level on-page tactics and just having good text. Lots of good text, good quality content that explains it all. That really helps really move the needle with the backlinks. And I'm going to add knowing, because we do a lot of video, adding video to pages helps a little bit because it keeps people on the page longer and length of time on a page is helpful. In my understanding, is that still true to this day? I mean, if people spend some time on a page, that's, that's better, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Google looks at how long they stay on your website. So if they stay for five seconds, not the best. If they stay for five minutes, much better signal that people are finding what they're looking for. And Google will also kind of reward you for a video if it's YouTube because Google owns YouTube. Yep, they want to make money. Google only cares about making money. So if you put YouTube video ads on your website or YouTube videos on your website, the first thing that appears anytime you watch a video, there's always an advertisement. So YouTube is making money, which is really Google making money. And they're going, to, they're going to push that as much as they can. And I always tell people, if you can start building a presence up on video, that's going to really help out because it really puts a face behind the company and just personalizes everything a lot more. And it's much better. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Thank you for bringing and linking YouTube together with Google because you're absolutely right. That does a lot for a lot of different search results and pages and uh, the images that show up to the videos in Google search results, all the things, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. They all link together. They all work together. Okay, so any last uh, parting words or thoughts or words of wisdom that we didn't already cover today, Brandon, that uh, you would love for my audience to know And then also, how can they reach out to you if they want to employ your services and help have you help them? But yeah, any any last words of wisdom there, Brandon? I would say just be patient with SEO. A lot of people want that those quick results. If you want immediate results, paid ads, social media, that's going to get you that quicker traction. SEO is definitely a long term play, so you just really got to not get discouraged, not give up if you don't see those results coming in because it does take time. And as long as you keep working at it, you'll see yourself moving up those rankings, but just give it some time and don't get discouraged right away. And for anyone that does want to learn more, I created a special gift for them. So if they want to learn more about my services, if they go to my website at seooptimizers.com, that's S-E-O-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash gift. They can find that gift there along with my contact information and Classes I've done over the years, I've thrown up for free so you could see step-by-step how to do a lot of stuff that we talked about. And also, if they want to book some time on my calendar, I'm happy to check out their website from an SEO point of view for free, and they can book some time there as well. I love it. Well, thank you for that. I'm sure my listeners would love to take you up on your free gift. So thank you. Uh, and thanks for your time today and just giving us so much knowledge and, and thoughts on SEO and what we can all do in our marketing journeys to make it better and continue to grow and build our brands and our bottom lines. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. 
All right. And for those of you listening, the best thing that you can do for both Brandon and I is share this with others that you know who need to hear what we have to say today and give us a review. Those are like gold to podcasters, as you heard me say before. And I'm doing some shout outs here and there. I've done some shout outs live on my socials. So be sure to listen for those shout outs if you've given us a review. I love to give credit where credit is due. And uh, again, thank you so much. And until next time, everybody, enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.